Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. Scoopy Radio. What's up, everybody? Episode 7 of the Just Kicking a Podcast. I'm Justin Huntsman. Joining me today is Brandon Scoopy Robinson. He is the senior writer at Heavy.com, host of Heavy with Scoopy, and subscribe to his podcast, Scoopy Radio Pod. Now, now that you did subscribe to his pod, subscribe to this podcast, give it a uh, rating, and review it on Apple uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your audio. Remember, you can always hit me up if you're struggling. J underscore Sports Talk. Without further ado, how you doing, Scoopy? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I want to get to something that just happened today with Giannis winning the MVP. And obviously, there's a ton of rumors with, is he leaving Milwaukee? Are they adding someone? What's going on in Milwaukee? And in his interview, he's in Greece right now, he pretty much said, as long as we keep competing, I'll stay in Milwaukee for the next 15 years. There's no reason. As long as we're on the same page and we keep competing, I'll stay in Milwaukee in the next 15 years. What do you think of that? I mean, that goes along the lines of my reporting over the weekend. Um, uh, I shared that you know Giannis and his mom and his brother uh, met with uh, the Bucks ownership and essentially... Um, you know, he has a list of demands or requests. I won't even say demands. He, he wanted MVP. I'll be nice today. But um, mm-hmm. a list of, of things that he'd like. You know, when some of those things include, you know, bringing in um, someone who can help him go to the next level. And so that discussion uh, goes along the lines of, you know, people who he, he's looking to uh, have come to Milwaukee. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted the other day that there's a list that uh, was put out. And uh, one of those people on that list is Chris Paul. Uh, the Knicks are interested as well, and uh, the Bucks, the Sixers, and, and a list of other teams. I put that all out last week, but that kind of ties into you know what Giannis wants. And you know, Chris Paul. Um, I said this on a show the other day. I, I used this analogy. Um, Erica Badu was a legendary singer, and uh, she's known uh, to be a doula uh, for for people. Are you familiar with that term? No, I'm not. So describe it for me. Okay, so a doula is someone who, you know, either assists the woman who is 
uh, pregnant with the child um, wow. or and, and then after that, she allows uh, she, she's basically support for the, the, the wow. mother after the baby's born. I said, I said this on the show the other day. <laughs> Chris Paul is a doula for young teams. He, he's, he has the ability to transform younger team players and make them better. And so I promise you this time next year, everybody will be using that term doula. Chris Paul is the doula of uh, older NBA players at this point. And I think that he's someone who can um, help the Bucks, you know, make that happen. So I know that that, that, that is uh, one of the people that was on that list um, of, of requests that, that Giannis had. Um, he's not looking to move, um, but he's not looking to sign that Supermax unless, you know, Milwaukee does what they need to do or what he feels they need to do outside. Um, and, 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 and here we are. Before I get into Chris Paul, because he's going to be a lengthy discussion in this podcast, just because he's linked to so many teams, so many teams want him to elevate them to championship status. Giannis winning the MVP, I think he deserves it. But do you think there's something wrong with the NBA awarding it this late? I mean, he's in Greece. He's knocked out of the playoffs. A lot of people are upset that the MVP only doing it the regular season almost is unjust for doing it this late in the playoffs, seeing what's unfolded. Do you think the regular season award needs to be given to him right after the season? Like right after the regular season? Well, I am an NBA purist um, in this sense. Um, I, I was disappointed when the league uh, took the patches off the shoulders, um, the, the league patches. and um, But I also think it's pretty cool that they have the logos. It reminds me of overseas basketball. It reminds yeah. me of, of that. But, but to that point, um, I, I do think that Giannis was the NBA's MVP, um, yeah. except for the last week of the season. Uh, LeBron James was the NBA's MVP. Um, legitimately, he – um, took care of business against the Bucks and the Clippers. Yeah. Um, and shut the league down. And, and, and grand opening, grand closing. Um, but here's the thing: um, the thing that to me, what makes Giannis the MVP this season is, um, the certain things he improved on. I mean, I look at the Lakers and the Bucks when they played that game against each other in December. Um, Giannis had a jumper. They won that game. Um, I, I think that every year um, he's added something to his game. He is legitimately a, a, a Swiss Army knife, a stat stuffer. Um, LeBron James is too. I, I think the issue with this, or maybe where LeBron is right now as a player, is he's in a similar situation that Jordan was in in the mid to late 90s where, you, you know, the stats are good, but, you know, Michael. People are tired of it. They're expecting that now. Yeah, like Barkley got it, uh, Malone I think got it, David Robinson got it, Hakeem got it, and I think you know there were situations. Now I think it was in 2011, Derek Rose earned that, and I, yeah. I also think part of that is um, Levar Ball might be mad, even though this is biblical. He spoke into an existence. Now that is a biblical term um, that that. Basketball has now fifth thought it was the fountain of youth, and they think they're posted, they lay on, and they, 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 they coined it. But speaking things into existence is a, is a biblical thing. But as it relates to, um, you know, LeBron every year, I mean, it's expected that he's going to do that. And I think that the using the fact that he's 35 is kind of fodder because it's expected of you. Although I think personally um, – I just would like to see LeBron get it again, but I, but but here's what I'll say: 
I think LeBron is in a similar situation that Dirk Nowitzki uh, was in some years ago where they lost in the first round. He was the NBA's MVP. It's almost like, so what? Um, I, I think he's playing for championships. He's not playing for regular season awards. And, you know, I feel the same way about Anthony Davis. I, I sat with AD um, back last year um, in L.A. and we talked about um, his goal is to win a championship. His goal is to win defensive player of the year. Um Defensive player of the year is still on the table. Uh, excuse me. Championship is still on the table. Decent defensive player of the year is not. Um, and Giannis can have all those individual awards. That's cool. He still doesn't have the, the, the opportunity to win a chip. So I, I do think that um, the Lakers are in a, in a prime position. And I think that something that hurts LeBron James is having Anthony Davis, a guy that can go out there and get 28 and 12 a night. It's almost – AD probably should have been defensive player of the year. In my mind, I know the Bucs had the number one defense, but everything Anthony Davis was asked to do on a nightly basis for the Lakers, I think it's tough to give the MVP to LeBron when you see how much Anthony Davis is also doing for the Lakers at the same time. Yeah, it, it kind of goes to back to a conversation I had with uh, Magic Johnson uh, back in February about, um, he said, you know, LeBron um, benefits AD and AD benefits LeBron. It's a, it's a partnership that's worked. Um, and I think it's it's clicking on all cylinders at yeah. the right time. AD and I have this running joke. Um, he told me that at the beginning of the season, he and LeBron did not um, have a ton of time to work out together uh, the previous offseason. It's so weird. I'm, I'm prefacing offseason, last season, this yeah. season, and, and then summer, and then you call free agency this year, the fall free agency due to COVID, and then NBA 2K21 is out, but we're still in the season before. So. <laughs> I'm being cognizant of that, but 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 specifically to this particular season, back in the fall, um, AD told me that um, last fall he told me that um, LeBron and him have this running joke that um, they're not their their formidability uh, in the pick and roll um, is more like a peanut butter and banana sandwich. They're not quite peanut butter and jelly yet, and I, I think. You know, at this point, it's been a running joke. Whenever I run into AD, y'all peanut butter jelly? Yet? Y'all pe- nah, we still peanut butter banana. I haven't talked to AD in, in, in a couple months, but legitimately, um, they're peanut butter and jelly at this point. If they're not peanut butter and jelly now, they, they, they're getting ready to, to, to bring in that, that almond butter, that, that skippy peanut butter. It's, it's We got to move away from those dull bananas. We're, we're peanut butter and jelly at this point. And... Um, yeah, man, I, I think that the Lakers, I think while your point is valid about, you know, the two of them being together and uh, maybe it hinders, I still think that if they don't win a championship this year, none of that matters. Giannis is the MVP and the Lakers win nothing. And I, and yeah. I think that the Lakers are in a good position, you know, to make that happen. So let's, before we hop over to Chris Paul, you brought up a great thing. I said back in October in my preseason predictions, I the Lakers beating the Bucks in the finals. I thought the duo of LeBron AD, LeBron's still LeBron. Anthony Davis is a top seven player. You trade for that guy, that cornerstone, to go get you 28 and 12 a night. Now, I was running Milwaukee. I thought Giannis would add a few things. I thought Bud would adjust more in the playoffs. He didn't. It is what it is. But now looking at we're at the final four teams, you think the Lakers win it all? They're in a good position to do so. I mean, I've gone on record throughout the course of the season and then have said that, I mean, I feel that the Lakers – 
will be this year's NBA champion. I was wrong about the conference finals. I mean, who, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, we all had Battle of LA, I feel like. But I think the other side of the coin is, even though I, I said conference finals, Lakers, Clippers, I, I, I've gone on record, you know, at the beginning of the bubble and said, don't sleep on the Nuggets. Now, I'm not saying that just for clout, but I, I really do think if you look at a second, third place team like the Nuggets, um, I think they showed the world who they were at the beginning last year uh, when you saw Jokic. Uh, the thing that impresses me about Jokic is uh, it, it reminds me of a, of a, of a remix of Run TMC uh, when you had Tom Tolbert bringing the ball up uh, at the center position. Uh, Jokic is no Tolbert. I don't think Tolbert was ever an all-star, but I, I think Denver is, is slept on because they're Denver. They're not New York. They're not L.A. They're not um, Miami, you know, Philadelphia, Chicago. But um, I, I do think that the, uh, that the, the, the Nuggets, um, to me, um, some people would think they're they're a formidable duo or a formidable team against the Lakers because they're young and they have nothing to lose. There's no expectation um, for the Nuggets, um, and everybody just believes that the Lakers are just going to win it. And I don't think it's going to be that easy. I, I wouldn't disrespect that Nuggets team like that. Um, and I think the Nuggets, unlike the the, the Portland Trailblazers, who the Lakers played in the first round. Um, there's more to the Nuggets than just one player, you know. Like the the the, and the thing is with the Blazers, when Lillard got hurt, it was almost like the air just came out of the balloon. You know, CJ McCollum is cool, Melo is cool, uh, Nurkic is cool. You know, but when you look at the Nuggets, like they have a, a, a team that fits a yeah. Euro style of basketball that is today's NBA. But I also do think that if the Lakers do not take care of business this year, this is their window to get it because next year is not going to get any easier. And the year after that, it's not going to get any easier. And so um, for LeBron to kind of shut up critics and to just win it for himself, um, they got to close it out against Denver. Um, and, and then they got to close it out against, you know, the, the Celtics or the Miami Heat. And it's interesting um, Troy Daniels, who, who plays now for the Nuggets, a former Laker, who's cut by the Lakers, uh, he and I sat down some months ago when he was still a Laker. And um, <clears throat> he told me he felt that the Lakers uh, were the most underdog first-place team in history. Um, and, you know, when you, he said, we're not, a, we're not afraid of the Clippers. And to be honest with you, Denver did the Lakers a favor. Um, because I do think that what is all said and done um, – Load management was ultimately um, both a gift and a curse for the Clippers because what makes the Lakers special is that if you look at their storyline throughout the course of the season, it's the gelling, um, it's the adversity, it's the injuries. And to be honest with you, the fact that the Lakers did not load manage, their gift, in fact, was the fact that because they took care of business in the early rounds and in between rounds, they were able to rest. And to be honest with you, COVID was also their friend in that regard because when they closed out the season, as I mentioned before, LeBron's MVP week, um, they took care of the Bucks, they took care of the Clippers, and they shut a lot of critics up. And then you had months to rest and then come back to the bubble refreshed and took care of business there. And then you took care of business in the first two rounds. So that was their version of load management. So there's a lot to unpack with everything you just said. I did a little preview of the Lakers and Nuggets with a friend of mine yesterday. I have the Lakers in five or six, but the difference in this series to me is the Lakers could double Dame and 
Harden coming off the pick and roll. You can't do that to Jamal Murray because you'll have Jokic as the outlet there and play four on three. So this is a completely different team you're playing now. Mm-hmm. And this is also where I said yesterday, the Lakers are going to miss Avery Bradley, Avery Bradley a little bit because he would guard Jamal Murray well. When I'm looking at the guards on Lakers, you could double and take out Harden. You could double and make other people beat you. Have Yusuf Nurkic have to make reads. Okay, Nikola Jokic is probably one of the best passers in the NBA. You're not going to let him play four on three. And the modern day Arvidas Sabonis. Sabonis. And after the first two players on the Lakers, the Nuggets have the best team. It's not close. Like looking at these two teams' rosters, after the first two players, the Nuggets have the best roster. So this series, if Jamal Murray can stay white hot, which he has in this bubble, and Jokic can put up his numbers, this series is interesting. You might need one game from Michael Porter Jr. to step up big just for scoring, but you have veterans in Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, uh, Torrey Craig, Gary Harris. I mean, like, this team is legit. And then Mike Malone, a guy that got booted out of Sacramento for, I don't know why, Sacramento's been a dumpster fire, and I thought he was doing a good job there, but regardless, he's made this Nuggets team believe, and now you're in the Western Conference Finals. I got to tell you something. Jokingly, of course, Jamal Murray's going to be black hot, not white hot. But okay, okay, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm joking. But this is what I'll say to you. I hear everything you're saying. I take that and I raise you this. Um, Dwight Howard is going to be is going to guard Jokic well. The tape the tape says this is a Dwight Howard like Dwight Howard and McGee actually guards him decently well. Like last series, you go small against the Rockets makes perfect sense. Markeith Morris gets plugged in. But against the Nuggets, the length of JaVel McGee and then Dwight Howard, the physicality, has given Jokic problems. And I think they played three times in the regular season. Gave them problems each time they matched up. Yep. And I'm going to be honest with you. You know, Dwight was very, very um, – source of set. Dwight was very upset. with Upset not playing the Rockets series? Very upset. Um, so, so you think he comes with a chip on his shoulder this series? The size of a boulder. Ooh. Um, Dwight is, was very pissed about that. And what I will say to you is that um, not even a chip on the shoulder. I think in retrospect, after depending on what happens with the series, assume the Lakers win, right? Yeah. We'll look back at that Rocket series and we'll say Frank Vogel gave Dwight Howard his version of load management. Because when you look at the Rocket series, they didn't really need him because they played small ball. So when I look at that series with the Nuggets where they really need them because they run out the gym. Yeah. Um, I do think that we'll thank Frank Vogel for that, assuming the Lakers do win. Dude, and it's not going to be easy. So let's just game one tonight. LeBron always feels out game one for whatever reason. Look at these last two uh, playoff uh, series with the Rockets and Blazers, but just looking at his career in general, game one's always a feel-out process for him. What is your feeling going to game one tonight, your predictions? I mean, I think Giannis getting MVP today might light a fire under LeBron's ass coming in tonight. What, what do you think? I think so, too, but I, I think that um, I think those are mutually exclusive in this regard. I, I like this LeBron um, a little bit. He feels like uh, Captain Picard of the Starship Enterprise on Star Trek in, in the Next Generation. I think younger LeBron uh, would be uh, 
that. Um, Would focus on like, I got approved everybody. I should have been MVP. He has to prove nothing. He's LeBron James. Um, I, I think, I mean, I think the fact that he's not putting in Beijing, Beijing hair dye in his hair and, and, and lets you know he's not focused on that. I think, you know, legitimately, I think LeBron is focused on championship. He ain't checking for Giannis. Giannis ain't in the bubble. Um, and, I, and I think that at the end of the day, yes, game one traditionally is a fill-out process. Um, I'm not sure how this one goes in game one. I, I just think, um, you know, everybody was talking about the, the, the Rockets and the fact that, um, you know, they were the, 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 the team that could knock them out um, because P.J. Tucker was their center. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because I remember – last summer sitting down with Robert Ori and, and he was saying to me how he felt like Clint Capella was overpaid. And um, uh, I bumped into him, you know, two summers ago, I had that conversation uh, that with, with, with Robert Ori. And then last summer I bumped into Robert at a party. He looked at me and I looked at him and we fell out laughing because you saw what happened with the Rockets. And then you see the Rockets ultimately trading him at the trading by the trading deadline this season. The funny thing is the Rockets actually could have used uh, Clint Capella in this series. And I actually do think that Capella is part of a team of the future in the Atlanta Hawks at this point. Um, I say all of that to say um, the Nuggets did the Lakers a favor by knocking out the Clippers. But the Clippers, you know, I tweeted the other day, Rocky Balboa, Jamal Murray, the same thing. Like, to be honest with you, um, I think the further one you go in a series with the Nuggets, um, the, the, you don't wipe them out early. The problem, the more problematic they become, and so um, you, you you'd want the, the the Lakers to kind of finish up in four or five games. On record, I have said on Twitter, Lakers in six. But um, it, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, it's gonna be a damn if you do, damn if you don't series. To be honest with you, man. All right, let's flip over to the Eastern Conference Finals right now because we just had Game Two last night. Boston blows it in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, just kind of look out of sorts. They're struggling with the 2-3 zone from Miami. The locker room supposedly is in a, is in fights last night. I think that's kind of normal. Yeah, you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. You're kind of pissed off that you blew the game that you should have won. Is there anything to make of that locker room thing? I don't think so, but what do you think? I think you're just privy to what happens in every NBA locker room and all their yeah. teams. Um, and, you know, Marcus Smart would be the guy to do it uh, because he is the, the – and it's funny – um, I know Gary Washburn and Malika Andrews had tweeted about this, this controversy in the locker room last night. And it's funny because um, on Heavy Live with Scoop, we actually had Antoine Walker uh, on uh, the show. And one of the things he said to me was, I said, would you like, I asked him, I said, would you like to see a Lakers, Clippers, um, NBA Finals? He said, man, I would love to see it. I said, well, who's checking LeBron? And he said, Marcus Smart. And... It's funny because as I was looking at that or, or, or seeing what, you know, Gary and, and Malika were, were tweeting about, you know, last night, it, my, my mind reverted back to, you know, a week and a half ago when I sat down with Twan and I was like, yeah, he is, uh, he's trying to rile the troops up, um, get them going. Um, and he's frustrated. You know, I, I think this is, you know, you didn't come to the bubble to, to go home, but, I, but, but here's the thing. Um, the Miami Heat are just that good. I mean, they're a team where Sixers faithful were laughing at Jimmy Butler for leaving Philly 
a year or a, a, a free agency ago. Um, and a season later, Brett Brown is gone. Um, They're on their knees begging for him to come back. And I, and I think when you look at the Miami Heat, um, they, they brought in a, 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 a Tyler Hero, who I think at one point was averaging about 14 points a game. I know in the series against the, the Bucks, um, he was averaging about 13 or 14 a game in his first playoff series ever. You have a veteran in Goran Dragic playing well. Bam out of, bam out of bio. I keep saying bomb. Bam out of bio is playing good basketball. Um, I've heard some people, you know, compare him to Kevin Garnett. Um, and, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And then, you know, Kendrick Nunn is another guy who who I genuinely think um, at one point during the season, early in the season, you can make the argument was at one point a discussion of uh, NBA Rookie of the Year. Um, I spent some time with um, Kobe White of the Bulls, and um, he shared with me that, but this was like in November. He's like, man, you see in a way Kendrick Dunn's playing. He's the MP. he's the rookie of the year at this point. Obviously, a season has gone on, and, and John Morant won it, and he may have a thing or two to say about it now. But um, I, I do think that when you look at that team um, under Eric Spolstra and, and, and under the, the guidance of or, or the, the 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 craftsmanship of uh, one and and the NBA legend. Pat Riley, um, I think that the Miami Heat are, are just a good team. They don't sit down and lose for, for a while. I'll be honest with you, uh, Jimmy Butler has uh, become their new Dwayne Wade. And I think that um, all of that being said, um, the Heat are a good team, man. Like, they didn't get lucky. Um, I, I do think that the, that the Boston Celtics um, – continuity or challenges or just experience began when they played against the Cavaliers in the conference finals a few seasons ago. Um, and I, and I think that that's continuing. I think that, um, I think that the series is not over as we've learned from the Miami heat, or excuse me, as we learned from the Denver nuggets. Um, but I, but I do think that you gotta like, it's not luck. Yeah. They earn the right to be there. So I have my original prediction was the Celtics in six. Um, I think they have a ton of talent. I think when Gordon Hayward comes back, I think he can be their X factor because they're struggling with the zone. Really, like this series will turn if Brad Stevens and that coaching staff can make adjustments to the zone because every time Miami throws it at them, Boston struggles. The ball sticks. They're not moving it. They're not penetrating and kicking. Kemba Walker had a great game last night, but he's been struggling a few games prior to that. Jason Tatum had a solid game last night. Jalen Brown played well last night, but I don't feel like Boston involves him enough. And I feel like I feel like that's something that we have to see change in this series a little bit more. Gordon Hayward's going to change because he's another ball handler and playmaker for them. But I think this series can change for them. Jalen Brown has to, like, in the fourth quarter, the last three minutes, he was stepping up big for them, but he, he's sitting in the corner against the 2-3 the rest of the game. I would love to see them mix it up because Spolster's throwing wings up in the 2-3 zone and throwing length at Kemba Walker. I'd love to see Jalen Brown go up there and be given the opportunity to create for other people and create for himself to get him going earlier in the game. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Um, you know, at, back in December, I sat down with uh, Jalen and 
Um, I'm scrolling through um, our, our, our line of question. Um, and I, I basically I asked them, I said, uh, my opinion, Philadelphia as well as Milwaukee is what everyone is paying attention to, but you guys have upgraded. You've added a point guard. You re-upped um, as far as his extension. Uh, do you feel that the Celtics, as far as in the Eastern Conference, are being overlooked? And he said to me, I wouldn't say that we're overlooked. I wouldn't even say we're underlooked. I, I just say we play basketball. Always focus on what is in front of us. It's a long season. Uh, we're only 20-something games in the season, and we have 60 more to go. So I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. Uh, and so that statement to me seems like a, a vet way beyond his years. Um, and I think that um, that kind of matches my line of th- my line of your line of thinking and my line of thinking match in this regard. Everybody pays attention to Kimball Walker and to Jason Tatum, but Kim, but 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 Jalen Brown, if I'm not mistaken, was there before Tatum was. Year, a year before him. And he was a role player at that point. So I, I think you got to – I mean, he was there during Isaiah Thomas era. Yep. So I, I really think you have to roll back the clock um, and, and really, you know, if he has longevity, give, 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 him, um, give him the basketball for posterity's sake, not posterior's sake. <laughs> let him rock. I agree. I, th- I think they got to let him go. And I, I – I look at the Celtics last night and I was sexing with my older brother and he's texting me. He's like, Jalen Brown always steps up for the Celtics in the fourth quarter. Like when they need a bucket, they go to him. But, and I, I said back to him, I was like, I've been saying this the first three quarters, he's sitting in the corner against the two, three zone. Like I, I get it. You have Kemba and you have Tatum, but what makes you great is you have three or four guys that can create off the dribble and get their own shot and get other teammates going. If Kemba's struggling, if Tatum's having an off night after game one, Get your other guy going. Like, get him in rhythm. Because the way I look at Jalen Brown, he's a rhythm scorer. He's not just some spot-up guy in the corner three. You got to get him going. You got to have him as a rhythm scorer. And I just think you got to get – because if you get somebody going on the offensive end, especially a rhythm player, they're going to give you more on the defensive end. So if you get Jalen Brown going, I just think this, this series can turn around. There's no fans, anything like that. It's all about adjustments within the series, and then you can flip it. In the words of Enrique Iglesias, Balamor, let the rhythm take you over, Balamor. Yo quiero, yo quiero. Give him the basketball. Yep, let him rock. Yes, sir. All right, let's pivot outside of these conference finals, Eastern, Western. Let's get in some rumors. We touched on Chris Paul a little bit earlier. I mean, it's 100% pretty much that Chris Paul is getting traded somewhere this offseason, right? That's the way it's looking at this current point. So... Bucks. Now I did the trade machine and things like that. The only thing Chris Haynes came out with a piece pretty much saying Giannis wants Chris Paul, but it doesn't look like the ownership wants to figure out a trade for him. You think that ultimately happens or do you think Milwaukee kind of after that three hour lunch or whatever it was with Giannis, they try to sit down together and go, okay, we need this guy. This is who our star player wants. We need to figure out some way somehow to get him on our roster. Um, Things change. Um, yeah. What I what I say is today's date is the 18th of uh, September. Um, things change. Uh, what's yeah? So like that's why with these these rumors and these trades, like you know, people get real antsy about things. You know what was said. Like I like I'm trying to bite size it, but basically like the honest wants Chris Paul. Right, mm-hmm. but so do the Knicks. 
what may be true for the Knicks today on, or I'll, I'll use it more, 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 more recent. I put out those tweets on Thursday of last week about Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. The Bucks met with Chris or the Bucks met with um, Giannis Friday or Saturday, right? Yep. So we go from Knicks to the preference of the Bucks, but then the Nuggets, but then the Buck, but then the then the, the the Sixers. Like like depending on who the Sixers hire, they may want Chris Paul and may have more assets to do it. So it's one of those things that's very fluid and perception changes over time. Now I have a personal question for you because the way these rumors work is they're always fluid. Like you're getting information from somebody and everybody like if it changes and you're like, okay, it's not they're like, like you said this, it, does it ever annoy you when people hop in your comments and you're just like, you said this, like you're like, this is all fake. Like you hear news, you're passing along the news, but things can change within two hours, 24 hours a week. Like things change nonstop. And obviously this is going to be a very long off season. Does it just piss you off when some people are just like, I, I, it annoys me personally, just reading some stuff. I'm just like, things change. Like things are fluid within these front offices with these players, like emotions change. Like wh- just, what are your thoughts on that? The pain in the ass. <laughs> I, I believe it because it, it cracks me up. I'm like, things change all the time. Like you could wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I have a change of heart. Like I, like I either, why I, maybe I don't want to stay in Milwaukee anymore. Like, or just something like, like things like that change. Like these are human beings. Like things change and evolve. It's, it's, it's taught me something. Um, I, my, my experience, you know, uh, being around the league date back to my childhood, uh, being yeah. around the, the, the New Jersey Nets. Um, and, you know, I did a show for two years, but then, you know, being back, you know, being a normal, you know, high school kid, college kid, um, grad school, you know, being in grad school, those relationships and those evolution of those relationships um, don't change. And so what I have found myself doing is, is, is verbalizing things certain ways because we live in a screenshot, copy and paste, edit culture. Um, and so a perfect example of that is Kawhi Leonard. Um, the, 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 With him joining the Lakers if they don't make the Paul George trade. Yeah, and I think that, you know, people will always – it's for people who don't know me, unfortunately, um, will always – their first introduction yeah. will always be, well, he was wrong about Kawhi. Um, and and I, don't, I don't necessarily regret it because I think um, time has a way of revealing itself. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not going to say that the, the karma was not making the Western Conference Finals, but um, I, I, I was also the person who, who shared with you um, – that you know, Paul George tore his rotator cuff um, in the spring of of last year, and then you learned in July that he had surgery. And so I, I feel like you know, and and to have and to talk to, to to run into Paul George at a party and introduce myself and tell him, remember that story that came out about the rotator cuff? Yeah, he goes, that was you. I say, yeah. He goes, damn, you're good. He goes, that story was a hundred percent accurate. It just wasn't my story to tell. So. You know, I, I say that to say, yeah, I wasn't plugged in on the, the quote, silent moves of Kawhi as it related to Paul George, but I also told you in January that Jimmy Butler and, and Kawhi were considering, January of last year, were considering, you know, teaming up. And then you saw Mark Stein come out with a story last week about that. So it's like things are fluid, like you said, um, and you're not 100% correct. And what I'll tell you is, you know, to, to, to many people I'm new, but, but to, to many I'm not. 
Um, you know, there have been moves that have been made outside of Kawhi and, 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 and LeBron and, you know, like, you know, that I've told people about are taking to Twitter. So it's like if people are getting, if you're not Wolves, if you're not Shams, if you're not Hands, then it's like, who are you? Then you're a poser. And, and the thing is, you got to continue to do the work. And I think yeah. Twitter and social media puts people on these platforms to be um, vetted. <laughs> by by the by popular opinion, so uh, it's a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, that's that's part of the job, but the job still has to get done, whether or not um, people like what you have to say. It's not, and I also think it's the fake news culture that we're in, where yeah. if it doesn't fit what people like, then you're fake news. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, I think your work speaks for itself. Like I'm always going to give you respect. I always follow it because because like. I realize like you're getting information like this isn't just I like I understand like either an agent's talking to you, someone in the front office, a player, like players, friends, whatever it may be. The player just, themselves. Player themselves. Like it just it just cracks me up how they're like, well, it didn't happen. So it's not true. It's like you realize things change like very quickly in sports. Yeah. And then but the but the, the crazy thing is like, okay, so like I got the Kawhi, Kawhi went to the Clippers, right? Okay, that happened on a, I think like a Friday or a Saturday. That Monday, I was in LA. Yep. Um, I had to sit down with Shaq. I left there, flew to Ohio because I had to speak to journalism students at Ohio University. And then I left, I was in Ohio for 24 hours, left there, flew to Oklahoma City. All that stuff was prearranged, right? When I landed in Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook was traded to the Houston Rockets. And I'm standing right in front, I'm in the back with Russell talking with him about everything that's going on in Oklahoma. So it's like, I went from LA to Oklahoma after those moves. And after everything kind of happened. So it's like, it's like you're on a plane processing all of this stuff, like from a, a career perspective, from a, a, a personal or a popular opinion perspective. And you actually have to do the work. Like when I landed in Oklahoma, the news broke. I'm running a baggage claim to grab my bags to get to the comedy show where Russell was having something going on the day he got traded. And I had 1% on my phone and the Uber that I was in didn't charge my phone. So I'm calling my editor and I'm like, yo, I need you to do me a favor. Everything that I'm tweeting, I need you to take that and turn it into a story under my login until I can get to a charger. There was no Wi-Fi at the comedy club. It was just a lot going on. And what I'll say to you is like, as much as I'm thinking about those things, I still got to get the work done. Yeah. And that's the part of the job that people don't know. They don't see, nor do they care. They, we're in a results-driven society. I agree with you. I want to ask you, because I saw the video you put up on your Insta the other day, and you said you started when you were very young with uh, you were like inside stuff on NBA with Ahmad Rashad. You had like your own show with the New Jersey Nets. How did that all transpire? How like how did you get that? How did it start? How, like what, what was behind the scenes of that? Um, so first of all, God's grace, uh, a praying mom and a, and, a, and, a, and a stepfather who raised me, um, you know, putting me in the right position. So uh, a friend of my a friend of my mom's her name is Alicia. Alicia uh, told she uh, my mom and Alicia are friends from my church, and basically there was an audition that was going on in Manhattan at Chelsea Pier, and um, they were looking for kids personalities to do commercials for the Crash Dummies. Are you familiar with the Crash Dummies? I'm not. 
So the crash dummies, if you ever look at those car commercials where for airbags where they they oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. driving and then like you know they, they crash into the yeah, yeah yeah yeah. So basically, they were looking for kids' personalities for a radio station called Oswald Radio, which is. Uh, at the time, 1660 AM, Oswald Radio, they, they had a radio station at Liberty Science Center in Jersey City, New Jersey. And so what happened was it was hundreds of kids auditioning for this position to be a radio personality for that station. And so I, I killed the first audition at Chelsea Pair. The second audition was at Dangerfield's Comedy Club in Manhattan. I killed the second audition. Like you stood up on stage and you read stuff and they were judging, they were judging what was going on. Um, and so then, so then 16:60 a.m. gave me a call back and said, "You're one of the eight or nine kids who will do commercials." So we take the commercial with the crash dummies, um, and you know it was a, it was a hit. Maybe a few months later, I get a call from 16:60 a.m. They said the New Jersey Nets were calling because they were looking for a kid personality who loves basketball, um, who you know could host a show that they're doing, and this was a show. Um, you know, this was 97, so they got a new logo at that point. Keith Van Horn was the draft pick. Uh, John Calipari uh, was not only the head coach, but the vice president of basketball operations. So I'm sitting in, a, in an interview with Lou Lamarillo, who was now the general manager for the New York Islanders, who was the GM of the year. Um, he's interviewing me. My baby sister is one years old. Her birthday was yesterday, so that's how I always remember it. Um, and so I'm sitting with my baby sister, my mom. And they're interviewing me, asking me a series of questions. They like me, and I get a show called Net Slam and Planet. I'm co-hosting it with uh, former Net Albert King, a woman named Lynn Wilson, and um, we did it for two seasons. And uh, so I'm interviewing Van Horn. I'm, I'm in and out of both locker rooms, though, visitors and um, the home locker room. And so, like, it, it, it reminded me so much of the movie Rookie of the Year. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. But you're like, the only difference is I wasn't playing for the Nets. I was covering the Nets. But, I mean, you're, you're in a locker room with, with men you grew up looking up to or watching. So I'm in the room with Sam Cassell, Kendall Gill, Jason Williams, Chris Gatlin, Michael Cage, who now does the Thunder broadcast on radio or TV, one of the two. Um, and, and so that, you know, I'm in a locker room sharing our elbow space with Woj when he was at the Bergen Record in New Jersey. I'm around Chris Broussard when he's, you know, covering the Knicks and the Nets for the New York Times. And then across the hall when the Sixers came to town, I'm sharing locker room space with Stephen A. Smith. And, um, you know, that that kind of that 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 gave me my, my, my head start. I mean, I'm in a locker room, you know, talking to Jerry Stackhouse or, or, or Rasheed Wallace. And, you know, when I'm in the locker room, oh, Yo, you're the kid from inside stuff. You know, so like that, that, that gave me an opportunity and a start. I remember being a kid and, and you know, sitting down with Rick Moranis, who, who was on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know, as a kid. Like I, I have stories of, you know, being in a locker room when the Bulls were in town. When the last dance was on, I was telling stories on radio about like being in a locker room with them. Luke Longley gave me a pair of his size 16 Nike sneakers when I was a kid. I was in a room with, you know, um, uh, Dennis Rodman and watching him. You know, watch game tape before games with headphones on and those pajama pants with the ankle socks with ball, balls on the ankle socks. So, like, you know, like to me, being in an NBA locker room is it's like drinking water at this point. And, um, you know, building lasting lifelong relationships is um, is, is, is the goal or, or rather is what I do. And, you know, what I found is those players are now in head coaching positions, assistant coaching positions, managerial positions and. You know, it, it, it opened doors. Um, I love basketball. I've been around it since I was a kid. 
Uh, my family ran and operated a sneaker store in Harlem, New York, as well as a, a, a dress shoe store in Harlem. And I used to be around the Wayans brothers and Dominique Wilkins and, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon. And, you know, so like basketball and just the entertainment uh, portion of it has been something that's been a part of my life and something I was born into. That's awesome. I'm blown away. For, like, I feel like I could have you on another episode and we could just do story time. Like, just go through, like, the Nets. Like, so you saw The Last Dance. Obviously, you're going on radio and telling stories. I mean, you're a kid. What was it like? I mean, everybody wanted to see, like, Mike. And you're now in, probably in a locker room with him. What is that like as a kid? So I actually met Mike in a locker room when I was a kid. And um, I always tell this story. So the, the visitor's locker room, at the and then it was called the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Um, the visitor's locker room, um, you walk in, the door is creaky as hell. Like, it, it needs WD-40. When it opens or closes, it's like, yee, <laughs> Like, that, that I, I remember it like it was yesterday. You walk into the room. It's it Literally, it's a hockey locker room. So, like, the Devils played at the Meadowlands as well. Um, so when you if you look at, like, pictures of um, when the Lakers won their championship in 2002, when like Kobe had on the Jordan jersey, um, you see like all of their stuff on hooks and they're, they're, those are hockey locker room hooks. So when you walk into a room, there's like a, uh, you look straight ahead, it's a, it's a bathroom, but, you know, with the shower and stuff. And it just, it, it looked like a, like a, I can't say it any other way. The bathroom just looks shitty. It just, it, I just remember it just looked horrible, but like that was their locker room. You, you look straight ahead, you, you, you look past that door, there would be a rollout TV, like a TV you had um, when you, when it was a rainy day and you couldn't go out for recess in school and you had a substitute teacher and you'd watch like VHS tapes. They had a rollout um, TV and then that's where they would watch game of, of the, of the, of the Nets, you know, whoever the Nets were playing the night before or the previous game. There would be folding chairs all around that room. And so there was another room to the left where you like media couldn't go in. And but I was a cute kid. So there's certain things I could do in that room. I peeked in there one day. Tex Winters in there. Jim Clemens is in there. Phil Jackson is in there. Michael Jordan is in there. And if you remember, Scotty didn't play. At the beginning yeah. of the season, because he was milking, I believe it was the Achilles injury, and he was upset about, um, you know, his contract situation. So I open the door, I look, I look up. It's Michael Jordan. I'm looking in, trying to go in. He's coming out. I look up and I go, ah! and he looks at me. He smiles. He says, "How you doing?" I said, "I'm good." But I'm looking at him, and and I couldn't really say too much after that because I'm wondering why the heck he's not in my TV. And I'm used to seeing him on the NBA on NBC. <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment for as long as I live when I met Michael Jordan. I don't want to meet him anymore. I, I met him already. I said, you shouldn't meet your heroes. So people yeah. you look up to. I've, I've met I've met Mike. I've met Jay-Z. I've met Puff. I've met, um, you know, I, I've, I've met the people who, who, I, who I like. Um, I've met uh, President Bill Clinton when he was in office. You know, so certain people, mm, I don't want to meet him. Anymore. I don't want to have any more conversation. Well, let's move on from the New Jersey Nets to the Brooklyn Nets, because I know you had the rumor of possibly Drew Holiday going from New Orleans to the Nets. Um, that's obviously going to be talked about because of adding a third star with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. 
are the Nets going to be looking for that third star, whether it's Drew Holiday or somebody else in the market? Or do you think they, because Kevin Durant went on JJ Reddick's podcast and said, Karis LeVert's that third guy. So do you, but do you think behind closed doors, it's a different story? I agree with Kevin. Um, I, I do think that um, the uh, Karis LeVert, like Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns, uh, showed the world why they are what they are. And I'll add, I don't think Drew Holiday is a star. I think okay. Holiday is a great point guard and a very underrated point guard. But I look at um, Karis LeVert um, as a guy in a similar situation in Brooklyn that Kyle Kuzma is in, was in with the Lakers. Except I think Kuzma never had the opportunity to have his stars basically be sitting the way that they're sitting, the way that the Nets did with Kyrie and KD um, in their first year. But I look at the parallel between the Nets and the Lakers, and it's similar. So you look at the Lakers last year, LeBron got hurt and during the Christmas game against the Warriors, and you got to showcase the Ingrams, the Kuzmas, the Lonzo Balls. Kuzma's the only one left from that nucleus. Um, and then this year the Lakers have the chance to win an NBA championship. Comparatively, you look at the Nets. Um, Kyrie played, uh, as you remember, I, I reported that story about his shoulder, thoracic bursitis. Um, KD, you know, it was like, is he coming back or not? He ended up not coming back, although he could have. Um, and then Kyrie got had surgery and sat out because um, he's really waiting for KD. Um, <laughs> but when it's all said and done, um, Karras had the opportunity in the bubble to, you know, play well. And I also think when you talk about doulas, Jamal Crawford is that guy in that situation, um, you know, with the Nets in Brooklyn. So I, I, I do think, I think that the, the Bradley Beal thing um, is something that, that had, has had, however you want to put it, legs. But um, I think the thing with Drew Holiday is this, um, I know Kyrie, I like Kyrie a lot, and I would tell him to his face. Um, he's dealt with injuries throughout the course of his career, and you have to have an insurance policy on that. And that's where the Drew Holiday situation fits in. That makes sense. Because I, I, I'm just trying to think. Obviously, you have Brad Beal, you have Drew Holiday. <sighs> I'm trying to think of other third guys you had. I had Karis LeVert as most improved coming into this year. I thought with uh, Kyrie, I thought he was going to show out. He did get injured, but then when he came back in the bubble, no guys, Jacques Vaughn leading the charge. I mean, he looked incredible. I think he's their third guy just because you can't trade for that because I think Karis Avert will go nicely with those two because he can accept the role of being the third guy while also stepping up when you need him. Like roles are important to me and looking at the Clippers, I feel like roles weren't defined. I think sometimes you just need to have a pecking order and when you have Katie, Kyrie, Karis, I feel like that's a perfect pecking order going into next year. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that the Drew Holiday situation has less to do with um, less to do with um, a third star, and has more to do with with insurance on Kyrie. Kyrie, and I and I'm glad that while the Nets are that team, I also did report that the Bucks. And the Sixers also do have legitimate interest in Drew Holiday. Oh, 
That's interesting. I mean, I would love him to join the Bucks just because he's an upgrade on Eric Bledsoe. And the Sixers, what's funny is they got rid of him so they could start the process, but they're desperate for point guard as well right now. Let's switch, let's switch to the Sixers. I want to talk their coaching search. And then you have two guys that always have rumors around them, whether it's moved for the Golden State pick or just on the block. First off, do you think Ty Lue is the incoming coach for the Sixers? Who do you, who do you think is the most likely candidate right now? Um, Elton is not answering my call, so I can't give you an answer right now. Um, <laughs> but what I will tell you is, um, and I have great respect for Elton and, and, and oh. both sides. Um, what I can tell you is that um, I'm not sure. Okay. To be honest with you, I'm not sure, and I don't want to lie, and I don't want to pontificate. Um, I do know that it was reported that uh, Jason Dumas, of uh, who's out in the Bay Area, who is a Philadelphia native, reported um, that um, the Sixers um, and uh, Mike D'Antoni, as well as Billy Donovan, uh, were scheduled to meet this week. Um, I think that this one of the things that's being that is interesting is, you know, now that certain teams are no longer in the bubble, um, they are now um, interviewing. So versus like a GM flying to the bubble to interview guys there and you have to quarantine for like 10 days, 10 to 14 days and then go to the bubble, um, guys are able to, you know, have those calls and make those things happen. So that being said, I know Ty Lue was the favorite or was said to be the favorite in Philadelphia. Um, someone on Twitter tweeted it a couple of weeks ago in Philadelphia and then kind of uh, walked it back a little bit. Uh, I think that, or I know that the Pelicans job, uh, the way it was told to me was that it was Ty Lue's job to turn down. Um, but that Mike D'Antoni um, is a guy um, because of his relationship with David Griffin, um, that could potentially um, take that job also. I know that Ty Lue is demanding to, or commanding, or however you want to put it, demanding, commanding this Friday, but uh, $7 million per year. Um, I also know that um, Jason Kidd would like that job in Philadelphia um, because of the connection to Ben Simmons. Here's the here's the the, the Philly is in an interesting juxtaposition though because um, Rashad Phillips uh, came on the Scoopy Radio podcast uh, back in the spring uh, and, and expressed to me from his league sources that uh, the Toronto Raptors do have interest in Lamelo Ball and um, are looking to move up in the draft to get him, which would mean um, that the 76ers. Um, would potentially have to be involved in that trade with the Raptors, uh, with the Warriors, uh, to make that happen. And so if that happens, um, you know, Rashad discussed a potential uh, pairing of uh, Kyle Lowry going back home to the Sixers, uh, Cardinal Doherty High School legend, a Villanova basketball legend going to Philadelphia, um, and he also, you know, expressed that, you know, the Bucks would, uh, or excuse me, I keep saying the Bucks, that the Raptors would get LaMelo Ball and then the Warriors could potentially get Ben Simmons. But then Elton has said on record um, that, you know, he wants to keep uh, Simmons and Embiid together. So the answer to all of that is 
it's 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 uh, fluid, like we talked about trades. Um, and I, I gotta see. I, I, I'm putting out there the different scenarios. There is nothing confirmed, um, and 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 that it, it's it's a continuous process. But that's the information you know that I have. And so I think the coaching situation, the draft situation, all of that stuff is kind of tied to um, what Philly does next. Let me read off. So I made a little thing of all the coaching positions available right now. And I kind of slotted guys that I think possibly could go there. And also I want to go. There. Okay. Um, so the Clippers, obviously I think they keep doc. There's a little smoke there, but obviously doc was a huge player in Kawhi uh, coming to LA. So I think he stays with the Clippers. The Pacers, I think hired D'Antoni. There's a lot of smoke there and just the reports. I think D'Antoni kind of signs with the Pacers, the Pelicans, this is where it gets interesting. This is more a personal bias. I'd love them to hire Jerry Stackhouse. Stackhouse has a relationship with Brennan Ingram. Uh, he was kind of his player mentor growing up. He coached him in AAU ball. People rave about Nick Nurse. Jerry Stackhouse won G League Coach of the Year back in 2017. He's with Vanderbilt right now. But I think this team needs an NBA, former NBA player, a guy that's well-respected, Brandon Ingram has a great relationship, and I think that's a big part of coaching the NBA is relationships with guys. I don't know if he takes the job, but personal bias, I'd love Jerry Stackhouse to take the Pelicans. Before I continue, what do you think of that Stackhouse with the Pelicans? I think you want to something. Oh, I like that. I just think it makes it makes sense because I read The Athletic where it said they won't spend more than $5.7 million on um, somebody which takes them out of the Ty Lue race because he wants $7 million. D'Antoni, I think, is interesting, but I'd like them to go younger. I just – I love the Jerry Stackhouse. Like this. I have a phone call to make when we get off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, 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 might, I might have to hit you up in a few hours then because I'm so like, – I just think it makes so much sense, the relationship with Brendan Ingram. You have the former NBA player. I think those things matter. And everybody raves about Nick Nurse. Well, Jerry Stackhouse won G League Coach of the Year. And, you know, he did have a 14-year career. He was a damn good pro. I just think it makes a ton of sense. Now I'll continue. The Sixers get Ty Lue. The Rockets, uh, Sam Cassell. Or- I, the, the Sam Cassell thing, uh, I, I call Kenny Smith. Um, and um, they were teammates in Houston with the Rockets. They won two championships together. Mm-hmm. And I... And I um, spent time with, with with Cassell when he was a net, and I, he and Calipari had a love hate relationship back then. I used to sit back and just like watch that. Um, Sam has been able to build relationships at every stop, whether it was mm-hmm. the Wizards, whether it was the Clippers. And to be honest with you, people forget Cassell actually has three championships. He won one in Boston uh, with the Celtics, and who who. Who, he was a doula in that situation with 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 Rajon Rondo, you know, and in key moments he he was he was guiding that team, um, and so I, I think that that um Jerry or excuse me I, I believe you got me saying Stackhouse I I think that Sam Cassell is a guy um, that Houston would 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 be blessed to have particularly because of his story, um, community college to Florida State. I'm not mistaken. He was teammates with Bob Sura, I think. I believe you're right. Um, who reminds me so? Bob Sura reminds me so much of Tyler Hero. 
Uh, I think he Tyler Hero is a is a is a Bob Sora Clay Thompson hybrid. It's uh-huh. funny because um, Olden Polynes, uh retired NBA legend, was traded for Scottie Pippen uh, the draft day deadline or on the draft day on their draft day. Um, he said that to me last summer. He goes, "Man, Tyler Hero was like Bob Sora and Clay Thompson in one." Okay, and I was like, "Damn." Now. Yeah, but I, I think Sam Cassell is, is is definitely someone that, you know, the way Kenny Smith said it to me was um, uh, I think that Sam Cassell, um, he didn't want to pigeonhole him to one team, he, but he said he thinks his time is coming very soon. Okay. And um, yeah, that that's that's. That's that's. I, I would love that. I would. My thing with the Rockets was either Sam Cassell or Chris Finn. Um, Chris Finch. Yeah, I had that as well. Um, just because he coached Rio Valley or Rio Grande Valley, I think two years ago, um, and he's with the Pelican staff right now. Correct, Chris Finch. Uh, associate, or I forgot the term that they use, but he's 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 the top assistant. And gotcha. yeah, Chris Finch is somebody that I actually reported Sunday as a as a as a. Um, uh, a, a person of interest um, with okay. the Rockets. It was Cassell and Chris Finch. Yeah, so those were my two guys that I wrote down. And then the last job, the Bulls, I have Wes Unsell Jr., who's with the Nuggets right now, or Ime Udoka, who is with the Sixers. What do you think of that for the Bulls? I'm hearing um, – I wrote an article about a month ago uh, at Heavy.com, um, and uh, a source tells me that uh, another guy that the Bulls are considering is uh, – David Vanterpool uh, uh, with the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves, um, and also um, Kenny Atkinson. Okay. Um, and before uh, they fired Jim Boylan, um, I was told that 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 um, Levine was 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 scary on the coach situation. Um, I, I spoke with before COVID. I, I did speak with Jim Boylan, and uh, I told him that I like the fact that he kept his players accountable. And you know, he said that's an old school art that's not always respected. Uh, but comparatively, um, I, I did speak to a high ranking official with the Bulls, and I and I and I spoke highly of Mark Jackson. And okay. not from back then when I wrote the article. Um, or before I wrote it, they said to me that um, they're not considering Mark, but they should be. Um, and so I was told, as the as it relates to the Pacers, that the Pacers um, could consider him. And one thing that's worth noting about the Pacers is Donnie Walsh and Mark Jackson do have a relationship. I did reach out to Donnie yesterday, uh, and I – Reached out to Kevin Pritchard yesterday. I'm waiting for uh, Mr. Pritchard to call me back. Um, but but I but I do think that the Mark Jackson, the Pacers thing, does make sense, particularly because um, he Mark Jackson is a former Pacer. What I'll also add is this: this is this is belief, nothing that I've heard. Okay. If no coaching opportunity comes um, Mike D'Antoni's way, easy fix is to become a lead assistant on the bench with the Brooklyn Nets. Wow. 
I mean, he's he's still a great offensive mind. I mean, that'd be very that, interesting. And that's my opinion. That's nothing I've heard. It makes okay. sense, particularly because Steve Nash is it's new. Yeah, and they, they go back. D'Antoni coached Nash, and Nash is new. Well, he won two MVPs, but just the nuances of coaching. He's never he's did some um, like advisory stuff for the Warriors, but he's never really been on a bench on a nightly basis. That'd definitely be interesting because right now Jacques Vaughn is their elite assistant, correct? I believe so, yes. So, And wow. then in that situation with the Nets, you know, I put out earlier this week um, that uh, Rod Strickland um, is someone that is, you know, the Nets have some interest in. Rod is the, the godfather of Kyrie Irving. I, I did speak to Rod a few days ago. Uh, Rod and I go back and he said it would be, it's an honor to to be considered Um you know, we'll see what happens. Um, and, and, I, and I think that, um, you know, another guy that is also being considered heavily, and I've reported this since January, February, the Nets were looking uh, at Phil Handy as a potential head coaching uh, position. But uh, depending on what happens with the Lakers and, and just, you know, the relationship that Kyrie and Phil Handy have dating back to Cleveland, um, he, he, you know, you, you have to, I think you're going to, if, if, if Kevin Durant gets someone uh, in in Steve Nash's caliber, Kyrie's got to get somebody in too. Okay, that makes sense. So whether that's Rod or or that is um, Phil Handy, we will see. So this is the last thing I have to say, and this is just kind of my own speculation. Obviously, I don't have sources and things I like that. I don't have sources either. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all fake. I'm all fake. <laughs> so Pop's still with San Antonio. My gut tells me. He retires after the Olympics next year. Something just tells me he goes out on top with the Olympics and the person and Bill Self replaces him there. That's just kind of something that I, I have a feeling because everybody was sticking Pop to Brooklyn and they hired Steve Nash. I don't know if Pop would want to go somewhere else, but I feel like his time is coming where depending on how San Antonio does, they have younger guards now, they have a younger team. Maybe he just wants to end at the top uh, at the top of it all at the Olympics, win with Team USA, and then announce the retirement. And then I feel like Bill Self is kind of just the automatic replacement to him. I think you're onto something. I I I just have a I have a feeling. I just Popovich's wife passing. I feel took a toll on him, and mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes. When things like that happen to you, you realize basketball isn't as important and you want to enjoy life. And he's coached for so many years. I feel like it's his time now. Enjoy life. Like enjoy the other things. He has other hobbies. He has other things he enjoys. Hang it up. And then I think Bill Self's like, okay, I can leave college now. I don't have to worry about paying players. I don't have to worry about FBI investigations. Ari has a relationship with R.C. Buford. Bill Self, the new coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Why not Becky Hammond and Tim Duncan? The only I, I would have no problem with that. The only reason I think Bill Self gets elevated is the relationship with RC Buford because they were roommates in college, uh, teammates. So I just think, I just think relationships matter. That's why I think Bill Self. He's tired of the FBI investigations at Kansas and everything going on in college basketball. I think he's like, you know what? I can make the move to the NBA. I don't have to worry about that. I just have to worry about coaching. I can make the move, still stay in Texas, and it kind of makes sense with him and Buford. We will see. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, I want to thank you for joining me today. You've been awesome. I love just going back and forth, the stories you have, the information. 
Before I let you go, do you have anything to plug? You're on Instagram at scoop underscore B on Twitter at scoop B. Do you have anything to plug? Snapchat scoop underscore B, uh, Scoopy Radio Podcast, two million uh, uh, streams last year. Uh, we've had anybody from Shaq, Charles Barkley, um, Pete Sampras, uh, Mark Cuban, uh, a, myriad of, a myriad of other people, DJ Khaled. Uh, it's available uh, on all streaming platforms Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, iHeartRadio. Or simply by visiting scoopbradio.com. I'm a senior writer at heavy.com. You can check out my work there. Uh, heavy Live with Scoop B. It's a new digital show on camera, digital show that we're doing. We've had uh, Stefan Marbury, Jay Williams, uh, Ryan Holland, Silk the Shocker, um, and Carl Banks. And we have a, a, a few surprises in the next month. So please do check that out. And uh, yeah, man, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be myself and uh, keep doing your thing. Appreciate it. Scoop. Thanks for joining me guys. Always pay attention. He's got the latest rumors and remember to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Remember you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're struggling, hit me up Twitter, IG at J underscore sports talk. Just like that. I'm out. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on! Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.